Hello, hello, hello. Cheesehead hangover Packer fans. Garrison Anderson here, along with my lovely sister, Sarah Anderson. It's a sad day. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. I've been I've been very ornery all week. I think it's mostly because of the results that we had on Sunday. Um, we'll, we'll get into talking about the Packers in San Francisco. But to start, I think we need to talk about the beers that we're drinking. We are drinking a 7.5% beer. Mostly because it is much harder to talk about losses than it is to talk about wins. And it's uh, a dark, dark day. It's a dark, dark day and a dark, dark week. So we're drinking a stout. Which so is a dark, and it's a particularly dark, dark beer. It's a particularly dark, dark beer. Even a dark first stout. Even a dark first stout. So that's that's where we're at. Um, yeah. So I we'll start with some news and notes, and then kind of get into the game a little bit here. Um, so the news and notes, I feel like we have to start with some of the injuries that happened during the game, and then that'll bring up some news points. Uh, obviously the biggest injury of the game that happened, uh, when the Packers played the San Francisco 49ers, uh, was Brian Balaga got injured on, I believe only after nine offensive snaps. Uh, so fairly early on, and then Alex Light came in to replace him. And then Darnell Savage also came out with an injury during the game. So therefore, there's some question uh, where the Packers' offensive tackle, Brian Belaga, will be uh, coming up for this uh, Giants game. Uh, the Packers added Yash Nijman uh, from the practice squad to the 43-man roster. I believe it's Yash Nijman. Nijman. I believe the J is silent. There. Uh, there's there's a J in there that apparently is silent. Uh, and then also the Packers signed uh, Jared Veldheer, who's a former Broncos and Patriots offensive tackle, uh, who's played in the league for 10 years, has had uh, over 100 games that he's played in uh, throughout the course of his career. So uh, some experience uh, at the offensive tackle position. Um, so... Packers are definitely Brian Gutekunst is getting in the lab and doing some rearranging of this Packers roster a little bit uh, to deal with an injury that they won't come out and say that Brian Belaga will be out this week, but I anticipate that he'll be out this week. He was practicing this morning and we're recording on Thursday, but was really not practicing. He was with uh, the physical therapy squad doing some light uh, exercises for dealing with the injury that he occurred. So that's some Packers news and notes updates for you. Yeah, and Brian Balaga has had quite a few in- knee injuries in the past, hasn't he? Had tears on is it is it ACL? Both ACLs? Or I, just, I believe so. I believe so. And yeah. so he, um, I mean, offensive lineman knees can only take so much, but and he's been at it a long time, um, and they definitely have been. You know, he's been on veterans rest a lot. They've been monitoring a snap count both in practice and in games to try to try to make him last as long as he could into the season because he is just so good. But clearly, um, Gutekunst is, is taking all the precautions as they probably are still diagnosing exactly what's wrong with the knee. Yeah, and I don't think it helps that uh, Alex Light got thrown into a game against a really tough defensive line and 
looking back at the tape, two of the five sacks that the 49ers got were basically off like getting beat off the edge and it's not getting a whole lot of help. Not getting whole he light wasn't getting a whole lot of help and it was clear that it it was it was warranted because he was getting beat and that was causing some issues throughout the course of the game. To be fair to Light though, I mean it wasn't like Brian Balaga wasn't ha- having had it didn't like it, he had, Brian had his hands full before he went out with the injury, even though he was there just for just a few snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that you can put it entirely on Light, mm-hmm. although his performance certainly certainly um didn't help him out at all didn't help him out at all he clearly was the weakest link on the line line um for the Packers, the offensive line for the packers and san francisco did take advantage of that mm-hmm. yeah so some injuries and it's tough when you come out of a bye week and you're feeling healthy coming out of the bye week and then your first game back you get some key injuries that are like ah that it just kind of sucks. So it really does. Yeah. Um, any other news or notes from around the NFL you'd like to talk about, Sarah, that you've heard throughout the course of the week? You know, I think the Baltimore Ravens are for real. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think it'll be fun to try to have two TVs on while the Packers play the Giants this week, since the San Francisco Ravens game will be at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, other things going on in the league. Um, you know, the other thing that I think is kind of important in the NFC is, you know, the Packers didn't do themselves any favors with this loss, um, and they aren't getting any help from anyone else. Um, this is a competitive conference, and it is going to be competitive for the next five weeks to figure out who's playing who come January mm-hmm. and when. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose it's a it's a good thing to remind people that Tomorrow is Thursday, Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. It's also the PSA for Thanksgiving football, so when you're huddled around and eating some food, there will be some football games going on. Uh, One of them, an NFC North special, the Chicago Bears against the Detroit Lions, the basement dwellers of the division. Tickets at Detroit going for as low as $77.00. Uh, it's so it, not quite as low as the Redskins Lions game here in DC uh, this past weekend, but still a steal for Thanksgiving Day. Exactly. Um, so it, it it'll be interesting to watch that game, and then uh, you have the Buffalo Bills at the Dallas Cowboys, and then the night game would be the New Orleans Saints against the Atlanta Falcons. And, and for... you know what? I love all three of these games. I love Thanksgiving. I love food. I love mm. football. I love the time with family. Like there is, this is my favorite holiday. This hands down for me beats all the others. Christmas, Easter, 4th of July, New Year's Day, Valentine's Day. This is my holiday. Mm-hmm. What is not to love? Food, football, family. And, um, you know, Chicago and Detroit duking it out. Um, Chicago or Detroit has a lot of pride. Thanksgiving is their day. Um, they've played on it for who knows how many years, similar mm. to Dallas. Um, I I love that you can just go roll from one game into the ne- to the next and to the next all day long. Um, basically, twelve almost twelve hours of football mm. um, for your enjoyment, enjoying pleasures. No conflicting games to try to switch between. Um, I'm actually really excited about the Dallas Buffalo game as well. Yeah, I think this is going to be a great test for Buffalo to see if they're the real deal. Yeah. Um, much of their schedule has been fairly easy. They've mm. played a lot of not fabulous teams. And um, Dallas, I think, is going to be a really big test for them, especially because they're going into 
Jerry Land down there in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dallas coming off of a close uh, game against the Patriots in which uh, they got edged by, I think, four points uh, in the entire game. Uh, it was a 13-9, to very... It was a very sloppy game. It was raining uh, up in New England, uh, up, up in Boston, the Meadowlands. Uh, no, that's New York. Is that New York? Oh, yeah. That's where we're going. I'm all over the place today. <laughs> um, but it was raining during the Cowboys-Patriots game, and there was criticism coming out of that game. Uh, Jerry Jones. That's what it is. Gillette Stadium. There you go. Uh, the Patriot or the Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett and the Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said of Jason Garrett essentially that we got out coach. Uh, and there had been rumblings that uh, Jason Garrett's job, if the stretch run down the way doesn't turn out well, his job could be on the line. And uh, this Buffalo team's no joke, they have a good defense and could very well go into Dallas and beat Dallas. So there are some storylines there to watch. And then, of course, in the night game with New Orleans and Atlanta, New Orleans is the most likely uh, team that the Packers could potentially catch and overtake for uh, the two-seed in the NFC. Uh, And Atlanta has already beaten New Orleans once this year uh, in the Superdome. Uh, and now New Orleans will be traveling to Atlanta to play the night game. Yeah, um, so there's storylines to watch across the board if you're a Packers fan. Yeah, and especially that New Orleans-Atlanta one. I mean, those are division rivals. Um, mm-hmm. That's you know tends to be weeks. You can have teams not show up all season, but if you're going to bet on a week, they'll show up. It's going to be a division rivalry game. And um, so, I mean, I think, I think all three games can be great. I think all three games can be blowouts. There's only one way to find out, and that's to sit down at 12, starting at 12.30 Eastern in front of the TV and watch for yourself. There you go. Wonderful. So with that, we'll take a, a pivot into darker, darker territory uh, and discuss this uh, Packers-San Francisco 49ers matchup that really turned into a disappointing game for the Green Bay Packers. Um, to com- put it mildly. To put it mildly. Uh, the Packers coming off a bye, as many of you know, lost to the San Francisco 49ers 37-8. Um, and really, this game and the momentum and the feeling of the game was, it felt bad from the beginning, especially with how the Packers started on their first drive of the game with Aaron Rodgers taking a sack and giving up a fumble that ended up giving San Francisco 49ers a first and goal on the two-yard line. And that's that's yeah. when you know it's it's like a bad omen. A black cat walks by, and then something bad happens. Something bad happens. <laughs> and 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 they never they never recovered. They never bounced back from that. Um, and it almost you know it almost goes to what was it three two three three plays before that when Devonte Adams they got they got the first down. Um, but then got called uh, personal foul for a chest bump. For a chest bump. For a chest bump. Um, that is fairly questionable. You could tell Adams in his po- the post game locker room was not really sure why exactly that got called with all the things that go on on sidelines and you know uh, trash talking back and forth between teams. Um, but they threw the flag, and so. 
Um, you know, that almost was when the game started to swing in San Francisco's favor and, and the, the fumble, which was the only turnover of the game, um, giving San Francisco the turn, you know, winning the turnover battle, which was the key, you know, we said last week would be a key to victory. Mm. Um, they won it. They won the turnover margin and they won the game. Um, and then from that point, the Packers playing behind, they just, they never settled into their rhythm. They never settled into their game plan. They continued to just play from behind, um, from behind the sticks the entire time. And, um, we know that's when this team has struggled most is when, when they've um, played as though they are behind and not played to who they are. And you, you could hear it in the, the um, post-game locker room. Um, Blake Martinez, you know, he, he said that we weren't able to show our true selves and I don't, we were, we want to be able to show our true selves. And I don't think today was, was our true selves. Mm -hmm. um, Tremont Williams, we didn't really put up a fight today. We, we knew we were a good team and we didn't showcase it today. Um, and it's, that's just it is this, this team is a good team. Mm -hmm. They proved it. Mm -hmm. Um, but they just didn't show up on Sunday. I don't know what it is about traveling to California and the West coast, but for some reason, this team doesn't travel to California. Well, they've traveled, they've traveled well. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at the game in Dallas, look at the game in uh, Kansas city. Mm -hmm. This team can travel well. We've seen that. Mm -hmm. Um, but just not to California. Yeah, and I think I, there's definitely, I mean, the questions of the reporters were like, does this game bear any resemblance to the Chargers game? And I think in many respects, the Chargers game was the Packers were maybe feeling themselves and not mentally prepared. In this game, I definitely felt like the Packers got punched in the mouth and then never recovered enough from that shock of giving up a turnover and a quick touchdown. Uh, and then just getting out coached and uh, having Kyle Shanahan, the head coach for the 49ers on the other side, uh, never taking the foot off the gas in any way, like trying to run the ball more, to try to run down the clock more, take up more time. The 49ers were just consistently running their offense and running plays to try to score as many points as possible. Well, and, and that's just that's, it. Is, that's how they played the game. They did not stop until the Packers were dead. I mean, and that's just it, is they they were still, you know, scheming against them and play, and, and using, you know, all the all the tricks in their book. And they they did not, you're right, they did not let up on the gas at all. And I think that's a really, I if anything comes out of this game, I think it's a good learning experience as far as the coaching staff. Um, this is still a new coaching staff. They're still figuring things out and learning things. And Matt LaFleur has been very upfront in taking ownership as well as, you know, kind of demanding that everyone, you know, on a, on his staff, on the team, um, take ownership for what happened. And I, I mean, knowing the character of this team, I'm sure they are. Um, but I think, you know, it, it almost was a schooling in how to coach and how to coach aggressively. And, um, you know, some of the things LaFleur has done as far as being an aggressive coach, I think are good, but I think this is just a whole new level. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's learned a lot from Kyle Shanahan and I, I would not be surprised if, if this game is not just yet another lesson he learns from him. Yeah. Uh, the big brother definitely beat the little brother in this game. Uh, yeah. And just to, just to go back and illustrate the point that San Francisco never let up. 
the Packers possessed the ball for 35 minutes out of this game compared to the San Francisco 49ers only possessing it for 25 minutes. And the 49ers were just consistently, they had over 300 yards of offense and were consistently just pushing to run their offense, create the big play, take advantage of mismatches and create the mismatches via how they called various plays. Well, Um, and, you know, that's a thing about this game. If you didn't know the score, if you did not know the score and could not see the touchdowns and everything else, if you just to kind of look at the major stats, pass so passing is really where San Francisco beat us. 14 of 20 for 227 yards versus our 23 of 37 for 81 yards. That that was um, or for 119 yards. That was pretty painful mm-hmm. um, for pack the Green Bay Packers. Like that is not our passing game. I. But outside of that, like rushing, we had 117 yards to their 112. Mm-hmm. So we, we rushed more than they did. Um, our, our receiving yards, as I said, is kind of the big differential. The turnover margin is was in their favor too. But then as far as, you know, like sacks, time of possession, penalties even, all of those things were in our favor. Um, we had fewer penalties for fewer yards than San Francisco. We had more, our sack totals were um, our three to their five. So still relatively comparable. It, you know, stati- like looking at those statistics, this game should not have been as lopsided as it was. Mm. But I think the big thing that kind of, you know, they were just way more efficient with their passing. And then the other thing is the field position was in their favor. Their first drive started on the Green Bay two. They averaged starting position was their own 41 yard line. And I think maybe we should start with talking about the special teams and uh, LaFleur mentioned it in uh, his press conference. And it was very much a clear uh, point coming out of this game that JK Scott uh, had a really rough game and has had a string of subpar performances uh, in total on this game. Uh, he had six punts for, 223 yards for a 37-yard average and a long of only 41. And we've seen games from him where he averages 50-yard punts a game. Um, And then the other part of it for special teams as well is Traymond Smith on punt returns because very much throughout the first half where the defense did perform well on the most part of limiting the San Francisco 49ers to only 23 points. Now that may sound a little crazy, but when the other team gets the ball in the two and scores a touchdown, that's like a seven, three, you, seven points. I mean, if you take out that touchdown and then you take off the, the, the complete meltdown at the very end of the half yeah. where they scored 10 points, all of a we sudden, were hanging it was around a six point game. Yeah. Like outside of that, like 30 seconds yeah. of screw up at the beginning and that one minute of just meltdown at the very end of the half, they held them to six points. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just and, never capitalized on offense. And it's interesting because the Packers at this point have are on a historic pace for the least amount of punt return yards in the entire history of the NFL. Um, so obviously there's some problems with uh, the blocking scheme on punt returns and trying to give protections for the returner, Traymond Smith, to try to make one guy miss, which is always the theme when you're returning punts or kicks. You you want to get it out there, you want to get positive yardage, and you want to hope to make one guy miss and see what happens from there. Um, 
but uh, but mean, we've been struggling in the special teams part of it, and in this game, that I think was just accentuated a little bit more. You know, and and certainly part of it has been blocking because he's he's had more situations where he can make that first guy miss, but the problem is is the blocking unit isn't there, and now all of a sudden he makes the first guy miss, but he's got three other, you know, of defenders coming at him, and you know that's 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 not. That's an impossible order to have have one player do. Make four people, you know, two to three to four people miss. Like like that's the job of the blockers. But you've got to be careful there too because um, if you know if they're not doing their job up front, you're really susceptible to getting blocks in the back. And that's the last thing special teams needs is more is penalties. Yes, and to put a pin on the punt returns uh, to go with this, the Packers for the season have negative eleven punt return yards. So and they they only added to that total on Sunday with negative three yards. Exactly, uh, that's that's where we're at. And the the NFL record for the fewest in a season is 27 punt return yards by the 1965 St. Louis Cardinals. So Ouch. yeah, not not company we'd like to be associated with. But hey, that's where we're at, and we'll hope that. We, we have some games left in the year that we can regress back to the mean and hopefully not make history. Um, and, yeah, so special teams, tough. Uh, it was good to hear Matt LeFleur was encouraging to J.K. Scott of, like, we know you can be elite. It's in you. And we know you're going to overcome this. So that I mean, that's a good coaching moment, I think. So I think so, too. And I, I think what he said, I, I think it was on Sunday's press Sunday or Monday's press conference, Coach Lafleur about about J.K. Scott, uh, about J.K. that he's proved it, he's done it, and he's going to figure it out. Figure, oh. Meaning meaning this slump that he's having, and I think that's very emblematic of this team. They have proved it, they've done it. Um, you know, I think we still have yet to see a full game where all three phases put it together. Mm-hmm. But you know, different phases have done it either for a quarter or for a game, and it's been enough. And combining that in different ways is how we've gotten to eight and three. Um, but th- there's still the element of putting it all together and then doing that consistently. And we're still figuring out how to do that. Um, mm. But it's true. We've proved it. We've done it. And, and we're, they're going to figure this out. And, and um, hopefully it's um, by Sunday. Hopefully. Exactly. Um, so let's shift to talking about the Packers offense against the 49ers defense. And I think one of the things that really accentuated in this game, and it's kind of been the Achilles heel all season for the Packers offense, is their performance on third down. Oh, uh, oh nine in the first it, half, one it, in 15 on the whole for a game. It, it was an excruciatingly painful game to watch in that respect that you were in a lot of third and longs you were in a lot of situation where they're you knew we were gonna pass and they could just tee off and 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 you know put pressure on Aaron Rodgers and Mm -hmm. I mean that's how they got five sacks and however many quarterback hurries and hits on the quarterback that they got um Mm -hmm. was because we were in those third and longs and we they knew we had to pass like Mm -hmm. there was there was no other real option um and we we definitely saw some some of our, some difficulty and it's it's an it's truly a team issue 
because you had a replacement guy in the offensive line who gave up more pressures than you normally expect from your team to give up. And a lot of those pressures did come on third downs in critical moments. Um, and then you have some things like Aaron Rodgers uh, locking in a couple times on Devontae Adams and not really going through his second, third, and fourth reads to try to figure out and go through quickly as possible. Like, okay, what's the options here getting open? And then a mix of those things make it tough where it, you're, really, you're really put on the back heel a lot when you're trying to operate your offense when, one, you're down in distance is bad. Two, the defense knows what type of play you're going to call. Three, you get pressured to make a quick decision and you don't have time to diagnose what the defense is doing exactly. So that that was really painful to watch the Packers be in those situations a lot. And then it just hurt throughout the entire game. And I mean, that's just it is um, you look at the receptions. Devontae was targeted for 12 and he had seven catches. And then you look at the next most successful targeted uh, receiver it's Jamal Williams Mm -hmm. it's not even a receiver it's a running back but you look at that he had he was targeted eight times and had seven catches and a lot of those were outs to avoid sacks Mm -hmm. um including on you know the fourth and four which was one of the few plays that was kind of a highlight where he, he went for for the long of 15 yards but um you know it's you it's just tough. Yeah. It's just really t- it, it was tough. Um, and you kind of wonder, um, you know, maybe the offense is just is is relying is focusing on Devontae Adams in a way that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it, I I think that was kind of a question when they when Devontae came back against the Chargers. And I'm not saying that he should not be targeted, and I'm mm-hmm. not saying that plays should not be schemed to feature him. But I think I can't help but think that there is some sort of, there there is a bit of leaning on him more than what should be because defenses know he's good. They know that 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 is the go-to target. And so I, I think I think spreading it around is really important. And I think um, I think to that respect, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt LaFleur all mentioned that I needed to get Aaron Jones more involved. And Aaron Jones was involved. He had 13 carries for 38 yards and not a great 2.9 average. But the way I think they were meaning was to get him more involved in the passing game where we've seen more success from him this year. Um, And having sort of a mix of the run and the pass on certain plays where you can create more uncertainty with the defense. And they they got that mix with Jamal Williams – as he and you know he was able to get 45 yards of 4.1 average rushing as well as 35 yards receiving which you know is kind of the biggest total of anyone on the offense so mm-hmm. you know the greatest production from him but they're right like like that was definitely something that did not happen in this game they did not target Aaron Jones with receptions and you can't help but think if they pulled some of those from Adams and gave them and spread them out a bit um, just getting that diversity into the play calling to, to make and, defenses have to guess a bit. And, and if, if we just picked up three more third down opportunities, there would have been more, more of those snaps anyway for her to spread around. So it's really, it's a lot of things. I will say I did come away from this game being able to talk, to think that there were no bright spots on special teams. I didn't feel that that was a good 
day at all for this team. No. But I saw at least a couple bright spots on offense and a couple bright spots on defense. That is true. My one bright spot on offense was, uh, I will say, I think more in the Matt LaFleur era than in the Mike McCarthy era, there's a willingness to steal plays from other teams. And some folks have been talking about this in various other formats. Uh, and one play that was good evidence of this and the longest play of the Packers for the game was a double option type play uh, on a run to Alan Lazard where Aaron Rodgers faked uh run ball to Aaron Jones and then Alan Lazard was coming across the formation uh, behind Rodgers and Jones, and then Rodgers turns around and pitches it to Alan Lazard, and Lazard's able to run all the way around and up the sideline for a 21-yard game. Uh, Particularly, that is a very reminiscent play to the Kansas City Chiefs game and the way the Chiefs used a Mecole Hardman where there are motions across the formation by wide receivers or by running backs that as the play is going in motion, then a fake may happen and then a pitch may go. And then it could open up mistakes by the defense to have a big game. So I did like to see that play be incorporated into the offense. I agree with that. And then I would say the, the, you know, and I think, I mean, especially with the type of skills that this, this particular receiver core has, um, they have the ability to block. So if you get one person in motion, the other receivers, you know, have the ability to do different things. They have tight ends that can block and catch um, all of them. And Robert Tanyan was back in this game, two for two, two catches on two targets for, I mean, it was a low eight yards, but he's back and that's exciting. Um, and they have speed. Um Alan, from Alan Lazard, from MVS, from from so many other players. Um, One of Lazard's knocks was actually on him coming out of college that he was a slower wide receiver, but on that play he went over 19 miles per hour, which was faster than I can go. But <laughs> yes, yes, it is, unless I have a car. Exactly. Um, and then I would say the other highlight on offense is that Devontae Adams finally scored a touchdown. Um, yeah. I can't believe we're saying this uh, 12 weeks into the season, but uh, his first touchdown of the season. Um, and then to come back and get the two-point conversion on the following play. Um, I good. thought that could have been a turning point in the game, but um, alas and alack, uh, George Kittle made sure it was not. Yeah, and at least we, we got to practice our two-point conversion attempts. Um so let's pivot to Packers defense versus 49ers offense. And I'll, I want to start with talking a little bit about, I mentioned that the Packers maybe took a play from the Kansas City Chiefs. I think there are things that the San Francisco 49ers did that the Packers could potentially incorporate into their offense to help things along a little bit more. I felt in particular on some of the big plays from the San Francisco 49ers that they did a good job of not setting in motion their skill players, but setting in motion their offensive line mm. where a lot of times when running games, you might try to block and create holes through the hash marks mm-hmm. uh, to spring the running back and create a hole, or you may do sort of a, a shifting blocking scheme where 
everybody blocks in one direction and moves the offensive line towards one direction and the running back may go with that to hit a hole or sneak out the back. But in particular, I think on some of the really big pass plays that were play action, there were mo- the line was moving towards one direction or another. And then when Jimmy Garoppolo held onto the ball, the Packers front seven often shifted with the line. And sometimes that shifted the leverage of the DBs as well on the back end and created more space when everybody's going towards one side of the field, but then you have a tight end like George Kittle or Debo Samuel cutting across the other side of the field and going towards where there's more open space. And then if you can get that guy, the ball in open space, it ends up being a big play. And I feel like we've seen that a couple more times. And I'm wondering if the Packers offensive line can maybe incorporate a few more motion plays where they can create more illusions of making people open and determining, like, is it a run? Is it a pass? Is it going to the right? Is it going to the left? Like, where are we going Mm -hmm. with the ball? So that's one thing I noticed that I think could maybe be something interesting for the Packers to take forward. That's not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to comment on uh, the, the 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 usage of tight ends. Um, I mean, to some extent, this is a usage of tight ends because George Kittle had a great game for six catches for 129 yards. And I mean, the tight end... The tight ends and one of the plays I'm talking about is the 61 yard yard, yard to catch. So yes, but go on. Um, but you know, I think I think it's also something that the Packers offense could incorporate better and incorporate more. Is um, I feel like a lot of our tight end plays lately have, um, outside of a couple big plays to Jimmy Graham, have been um, really have been um, kind of almost like backup option plays. Um, it's the second call. It's you know, it's not the first option for the play. Um, and it's kind of in and out. They only go for a few yards. Mm-hmm. It's not really designed for the tight end to get out and, and, and really pull something um, to get to, you know, to have the opportunity to really make make a move and, and, and gain some big yards outside of a couple to Jimmy Graham. Um, but especially having, I mean, Mercedes Lewis can catch. We've seen that this year. Last year was kind of in doubt with only three catches, mm-hmm. um, but that's not the case this year. We know Robert Tanyan can catch. Um, his first play, ever, you know, in profession, you know, in a, in a in a real game, not a preseason game, was a touchdown in Seattle, um, and a big touchdown at that last year. And he's back, and and um, I feel like our tight end and and Jay Sternberger has gotten snaps and mm-hmm. and shown that he he also belongs in this room and belongs on the roster. Um, I feel like the potential in our tight end room is, is not being fully mm-hmm. utilized. Um, I think there are elements there, um, that, that, that could be, could be, you know, exploited and taken advantage of and, and to our own, for our own benefit. Um, and then the other thing is, is that, um, I feel, um, you know, we, I don't know where I'm going this with, but you know that we talk a lot about getting getting the ball to Aaron Jones, getting the ball to Jamal Williams, but there's something about get you know really incorporating the tight ends and more than just blocking. Um, that that's when we've seen this offense at its best, and we really haven't seen a lot of that over the last few weeks. I think is where where my conclude what my conclusion is, even though there's a lot of thoughts um, swirling around that the the capability and potential of our tight ends. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that and I think 
it, we we could find better balance in our personnel groupings. The Packers to this point uh, have gone for all of their offensive snaps 63% in 11 personnel, meaning one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's around the middle average of the NFL, but I do think there's opportunity to take advantage of more two tight end, two running back sets uh, for the Packers where we've seen success in past games. Yeah. And I mean, I think part of it is, is when they do get behind, like they have been, I think they get feel stuck in that, that kind of that base of what they know when really is that I is probably when they should be pulling on that creativity and trying, um, trying to mix it up more um, Mm -hmm. and stick to what, to, to, you know, the plan of attack they had for the game. Yep. Um, Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, are we ready to talk about maybe the few highlights that were on defense? I was just going to go there. And I think the one place to start would be uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith continue to show that they're the best Packers free agent signings since Charles, Probably Reg, Reggie Char, White. Charles Woods and oh. Reggie White. Like both, I, was going, I, I was going for the, I, the Brett Favre-Reggie White trade I, as far as a duo because Woodson was a, a single acquisition there. He, it, he came in solo. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's very much they're right up there. Uh, Zadarius, has now, uh, Zadarius and Preston are both now above 10 sacks on the season. 20 and a half total between the duo. Exactly. Um, and Zadarius also had three quarterback hits and one and a half tackles for loss. Um, so certainly a good game for him. And uh, of course, maybe you saw it on Zadarius Smith's sack. Uh, one of the highlights of the game would be Zadarius Smith. Uh, His sack sack celebration. His sack celebration. He showed his undershirt that said, We Heart Eileen. For those of you that did not hear the backstory of this, uh, one of the Packers equipment staff who works closely with some of the players, uh, his mother Eileen has been struggling with an illness, and he and Zadarius Smith both wanted to do something and thought this could potentially be a good idea for his next sack celebration. And Zadarius got it, and it was a very nice tribute. And it was nice to see that the national cameras for the game picked up on that. Yeah, and Eileen, whoever you are, whatever you're facing, we heart you too, and we do hope that you get better. And you are in our thoughts, most definitely. Um, Yeah, and again, we mentioned this a little bit, but this defense did put up a fight. And I think it's tough when you feel like the entire weight of the game is on you, I think. And I don't think the offense did the defense any favors and the sort of leverage of where this game went, where the defense, for the most part, like we said in the first half, did a decent job at holding up, Um, especially in the first quarter and for the majority of the second quarter. But to have the offense go on so many three and out runs when they were out there, you just felt like, Come on, help us out a little bit more. So and the and then and then the other thing that that really put the defense in a hole really was the punting on special teams. Um, mm-hmm. The offense certainly did not help out at all. Um, going three and out and not even making some progress off, you know, down the field so that the punting unit has more space and has more, you know, just to le- for the punting to leverage that. Um, and they weren't even, the offense wasn't even doing that. So in addition to not, you know, giving the defense more of a breather and not giving them a little bit more space to work with, um, then punting, 
the punting unit was was you know not 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 giving them an advantage in any way either and they really were just backed into a corner the whole game Mm -hmm. um i would say the fact that they played you know that first you know from the turnover um and that you know up until the final minute minute or so of the half they've really played admirably and Mm -hmm. and really kept green bay in it um but you know there are three phases to football and if you don't have at least something coming from the other two uh, there's just no way to do it. Yeah, and uh, momentum's a real thing, and I I truly believe that. And it's we've all probably been in situations in our lives or in our work where we think I have no momentum. I feel completely stuck, and I felt like we very quickly in the first half got to that place, and the Packers defense got to that place. Um, th- I, I will say we, I thought Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith both continued to play really hard out there throughout the entire game, uh, staying in there almost every snap. Um, and it, it's, I, I, I worry about our secondary though, because I, I feel like we've had a lot of subpar performances from them recently and haven't seen dynamism, dynamic. Yep. Uh, play from them, especially. I, I it feels like they're very passive to me, and I. I and I mean, I, it, that's where we're seeing our big mistakes. Like mm-hmm. the two, the big explosive plays were passes. Mm-hmm. There, there were breakdowns in coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there, there is, you know, that kind of bravado mm-hmm. they started the season with. Um, and confidence mm-hmm. um you're right it does seem to be lacking um it just doesn't seems to be coming from that room like it mm-hmm. was you know the first couple of weeks of the season yeah and I think part of it too for me was highlighted by how the San Francisco 49ers defense played I felt with a lot of the passes even into the second level of the defense uh the 49ers defensive backs were doing a really good job at crashing down on the wide receivers and contesting every ball and throwing a hit in there even if it would maybe draw a penalty from them and making sure that they had to hold on to the ball and we saw a couple instances of that with uh Devontae Adams catching a ball and the defensive back crashing down hitting him right away and then it falling out of Devontae Adams hand Comparing that to the Packers defensive backs, I it, part of this is scheme because I think the Packers were playing a little bit more zone coverage and the 49ers were playing a little bit more man coverage. Yeah. Um, but I also felt like there was just a little too much space and not enough aggressiveness at the point of attack when the ball was being passed and no one was there or somebody was there and it was not aggressively contested. No, it, it, it really wasn't. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we've been seeing these breakdowns um, and it, it does, you know, it'd be interesting to go back and look to see how many of these kind of explosive plays have been passes versus rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, because there have been some that have been rushing. They've been, there've been breakdowns, you know, in the blocking scheme or the, the opponents have blocked us extremely well and, and gotten a couple off, but um, it does feel like these breakdowns and pass coverage have just been an Achilles heel. Um, and, and given, 
multiple teams explosive plays and and that has been definitely the um the weakness of this defense and it does seem to come um you know as as they're getting worn down um especially in instances like this where the offense just isn't giving them giving them a break mm-hmm. so i'm feeling about ready to put this game to bed are there any last things that you want to mention about this game moving forward before we preview the packers versus the giants game no, I want this game to be over and I don't want to talk about it or think about it ever again. That is completely fair and understandable. And so shall we do that. Um, so this week. So this week. Now positive. Uh, so going from facing a nine and two team or nine and one team, now 10 and one team to a two and nine team. I, I, maybe this is just what the doctor ordered. Um, so the Packers are playing the New York Giants this year, uh, in New York or New Jersey, if we're getting technical about things. Yeah, um, it's across the river. It's across the river. Uh, so this will end the hardest stretch in the Packers schedule where they play four out of five games on the road. And a particular challenge with this is the Packers going from a West Coast game on the road, getting back at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on Monday morning, and now having to go to the East Coast to play a game. So it's certainly the roughest part of the Packers' schedule, and from here on out, it will get easier. Um, so the the Packers are favored by 6.5 on the road against the New York Giants. The According to FanDuel, I was shocked by this, and I'm certain it will probably change as the line changes. The public's betting on the Packers at 98%, and I found that absolutely crazy. And I was like, maybe the Giants are worse than I thought they'd been. Uh, and it is expected to be either rain or snow in, in the 40s uh, at in New York for this game. So there could be a potential for the running game to play a significant role in this matchup. Um, what are your first thoughts on this, Sarah? You know, um, my first thoughts are, are looking at this team. It is, it is a team looking to figure out who they are. It is a team that is going through transition, going from the era of Eli Manning to now the era of Daniel Jones. We don't know how long this era will last. We don't know how, if it will be as successful as the Eli Manning era. There's a lot to, to figure out and, and learn. Um, but, you know, the strength of this team, both last year and this year, has been Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And if the weather is shitty and it's a running ball game, you know, this this is this is what this team has. Um, I would say the other thing that kind of is a red flag to me is the Packers have not been able to cover tight ends this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have seen that game after game, tight ends getting explosive plays, and the number one receiver on this team is Evan Ingram, mm-hmm. a tight end. Um, you know, this team has not been good. It's two and nine, but between weather and, and their particular one strength, um, (laughs) you know, they're, they're going to come out fighting and it's, it's a serious, you know, it's a serious challenge. Um, they, their, their strengths, you know, kind of line up well against some of the Packers weaknesses Mm. and, um, the, the the Packers are 
it's time for them to show up and get you know the taste of this terrible game from in San Francisco out of their mouths. And this is a team they can do it against. Daniel Jones has had plenty of interceptions and more so of forced uh, fumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely the turnover, the, you know, their last in the league in turnover margin. Um, but like you can't, you can't force turnovers. You have to let them come to you and then mm-hmm. capitalize on those plays. And, um, you know, we have seen several opportunities throughout the season, you know, inter- potential interceptions, bouncing off Packer DBs. Um, you know, we've been pretty good about fumble recoveries, but you know, you don't know when and where the, how the, that ball, it all depends on how that ball bounces once it's out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I think there, the, the thing about this game is that I think, yes, the Packers should win it. You know, if these two teams were to play each other 10 times back to back to back to back, I would put money on the Packers to win nine out of 10 times, probably even 10 out of 10 times, but there's that like half a game chance that they don't. Um, because on any given Sunday, a team can show up. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this team has the pieces to potentially show up. And they're yeah. playing at home. They're playing in conditions that kind of favor them. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they don't favor the Packers. The Packers are used to playing outside. They're used mm-hmm. to playing in terrible weather. But, um, you know, this game could potentially be, potentially be a lot more competitive than it should be yeah. um in like in theory and the way i think this game is going to go is that i'm you know i'm pretty sure the packers are going to win probably like eh, i'm going to say something like 28 to 13 mm-hmm. um i honestly think that's kind of how this game is going to go if i had to pick a scenario mm-hmm. but i can see this game coming down to the wire and the giants sticking it out because they they have the pieces yeah they daniel jones like as long as he doesn't fumble, is not that terrible of a quarterback. He's got a lot of potential. So, um, so yeah, I'd agree with you. And I think there, you might be bring up a lot of good points, and there are a lot of things we can go on with this. Um, a little bit is like the team is two and nine. There's no chance of them going to any playoffs or making anything out of this season, really. Um, Saquon Barkley, certainly one of the most talented running backs in the NFL has certainly had a rough stretch. And I think one of the things with this game is you don't want this to be the game that he wakes up and takes over a game. Uh, For Barkley's last five games, he's had rushing totals of 72 yards, 64 yards, 28 yards, one yard and 59 yards. So he's had not stellar dominant performances lately. And you hope to continue that with him. Uh, The Giants have had a difficult offensive line performance this year, uh, and some of that is evident by not only Daniel Jones's fumbling problem, but the amount of times Daniel Jones has been sacked. And keep in mind, Daniel Jones has played two less games than some of these quarterbacks because Eli Manning started the first two games. Yeah, he's only played 10 of the 12 games. Exactly. Um, but here are the top five quarterbacks uh, for games. sacks that have been sacked the most office, often. Jameis Jameis Winston of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals, Daniel Jones of the New York Giants getting sacked 33 times, Russell Wilson also getting sacked 33 times, and Kyle Allen getting sacked 32 times. Um, So with that, uh, Daniel Jones and this Packers defense with some dominant pass rush on the edges, having... Over 10 fumbles this year, getting sacked over 30 times. Uh, 
that's one of the areas of the game where you see that and you're like, this is an area where the Packers can probably take advantage of uh, and something to look at. Um, on the flip side, that being said, for Saquon Barkley, he has the most big plays of over 20 yards on this team with four big plays so far this year. Um, and that is somebody you have to consider and stop when you're talking about playing this uh, Giants team. So with that, this Giants team also has a couple injuries they're overcoming. Uh, Golden Tate, uh, formerly of the Detroit Lions, is uh, in concussion protocol right now. Uh, and then Jabril Peppers, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, is actually injured and likely to not be playing for this game moving forward. So it's, it's certainly an interesting matchup, but I do think I agree with you that Nine times out of ten, the pack this Packers team would probably beat this Giants team. Yeah, I mean, and I think nine times out of ten, this Packers team would would definitively beat this Giants team, like touchdown or more. But that tenth time can go either way. And you know what? What two teams are we going to get this Sunday? Do we get the Packers team that was a dud in in L.A. and San Francisco, or do we get the team that has gone, you know? tooth and nail in the snow with the Panthers and then also, you know, blown out of the water a few a few other teams. Like, we just don't know who's going to come up, show this Sunday, you know, show up this Sunday. And I think that's what makes the NFL so exciting is that on any given Sunday, you can get any two combination of teams and either team really could win. You know, odds are a lot of times one team should win more often than the other. But on any given Sunday, um, anything can happen. Certainly. Um, so with that, what do you think will be the keys to this game? And what do you think the ultimate score will be with the Packers being favored by about a touchdown? Um, I mean, I think the keys to this game are, are getting, getting out to a fast start on offense, um, and, and, you know, scoring on that first drive and, and making the Giants play from behind. Um, when they do that, they're going to have to put the ball in, in, um, Daniels's hands and um that is the type of game I think we want to play mm -hmm. um I I think we want to avoid Saquon Barkley we know what he can do um yes he has had some trouble like he hasn't had the stellar performances the last few games but that could easily turn around especially if the weather is terrible but if they're behind they're gonna have to pass the ball um and that sets everything up in the world for both Preston Sidarius Kyler, maybe Rashawn Gary getting a sack in there um, and, and having that defensive front hold. Um, I think that's the key to victory is mm -hmm. that fast start and forcing them to pay, play from behind. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I feel, I feel good about this team. I feel mm -hmm. good about the Packers ability to bounce back. I feel good about their ability to get their minds right, to get their bodies right. Um, Yes, there were some key injuries against the 49ers, but coming out of that game, overall, they, they didn't seem the worst for wear. It wasn't like, you know, you had people going out and coming back, going out, you know, going down, going out of the game and coming back in again. It seemed like everyone stayed mostly outside of Balaga. We stayed mostly in our, our starting personnel. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think their bodies are probably not too far off. Um, so I think it's mostly about getting their minds right and coming back. Um, and I think they will. I mean, I, I mean, I think they will do that. This, this, as several players and, and coach LaFleur has said, the team has the leadership to do it. Yep. 
And what what do you think the score of this final game will be? I I already said it. I think I said twenty eight thirteen. You're gonna stick with that. And I'm Is that gonna, your final and answer. And I I am gonna stick with that. I okay. think I think they're gonna be able to hold. You know, I think New York might squeeze out a touchdown somewhere in there, but they're mostly gonna get stuck with. With field goals, and I think they're going to commit. Turn- New York is going to commit turnovers. The Packers are winning the turnover differential. Um, I'm thinking fumbles, a couple fumbles in there, and they're, the Packers are going to capitalize off of those fumbles and um, run up the score at the end for a, a 28 to 13 victory in the Meadowlands. Certainly. Um, so I agree with you on basically all the fronts here. So I will be short. Uh, I do think the the one area of weakness for the Packers is uh, the interior part of their defensive line. Kenny Clark has had a good year, but Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry, and Montreus Adams have had up and down performances, and I could definitely see the potential for Saquon Barkley having a bit of a bounce back game, and especially if the Giants getting the goal line scenario, the Packers are giving up a touchdown, as you mentioned. Um, I do think on the offensive side of things, uh, this will hopefully be a get back to right situation uh, with Aaron Jones having, uh, I will predict, over a 100-yard game uh, from scrimmage. Uh, so not that scandalous of a prediction, but uh, I think... What about I'll, Jamal Williams? Uh, I'll predict they both have a 100-yard game from now scrimmage. Now there's, <laughs> there's a stretch. There you go. I, I will go with that uh, as my prediction. And uh, I do think the Packers will score more than eight points. I do think they will <laughs> well, score <that's> good. <laughs> 28 points. And I think it will be a 10 to 28 Packers win. Oh, so fairly, fairly significant win. Um, with that, do you have any last things to say about the Packers this week? Pass game? this Giants game or anything at all? Um, or should we just know, finish finish our beer and put this to bed? I, you know, my final thought on all this is that, you know, to the good, to the bad, and to the absolute ugly, um, I am still really thankful for this Green Bay Packers team. I'm, you know, I'm thankful for what they do every week. I'm thankful for the thousands of fans who are owners in this team. I'm thankful for the community of Green Bay supporting this team um, over the last century. And um, a big thank you to the Green Bay Packers organization, players, coaches, and staff. And happy, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I will say have a happy Thanksgiving as well. And go Pack Go. See you next week.